Welcome to the Cover Crop Strategies Podcast. I'm Sarah Hill, Associate Editor. This episode of the Cover Crop Strategies Podcast Series is brought to you by GS3 Quality Seed, the distributor of high-quality, trusted cover crop seed brands like Nitro Radish, KB Annual Ryegrass, Super B Facilia, and TNT Vetch. You can learn more about these cover crops and numerous other species at tiltpro.com, as well as find the seed dealer nearest you. That's tiltpro.com. Today, I'd like to introduce Brian Doherty, field agricultural engineer with Iowa State University Extension. Brian will be discussing manure application and cover crops. Welcome to the podcast, Brian. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. To get us started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I had a bit of an unusual path to where I'm at now. So I've actually started out as a dairy farmer for about 20 years. So got a lot of personal experience, you know, dealing with manure and also using manure and cover crops together, but uh, decided I needed a career change at one point. So I went back to school to get an engineering degree, did some uh, cover crops and water quality and manure research in grad school. And then in 2018, I was extremely fortunate to receive a Nuffield scholarship where I was able to travel around the world studying soil health and cover crops and regenerative agriculture. And then I finished up grad school and got hired on as a, as an ag engineer with Iowa State University Extension. So that's where I'm at now. And a big part of my job is, you know, specifically related to manure management, working directly with producers one-on-one, helping with manure management plans, you know, and I'm also involved in some uh, manure and cover crops research at uh, one of our university research farms. So let's go ahead and, and get started talking about our topic for today. To get us started, what is the most ideal timing for applying manure to cover crops? Yeah, so it, it depends, I guess, is the answer. And I might be saying that a lot on this podcast, but it really depends on the type of manure you're dealing with you know, when it comes to timing. So if you've got, for example, a liquid swine manure where you've got a lot of very readily available nitrogen, you know, it's mostly in the ammonium nitrogen form. In that case, I would say you want to try to apply that as close as possible to when those crops are going to be needing those nutrients. So, you know, spring would probably be ideal. You know, the weather doesn't always cooperate in that case, but if field conditions are good, I'd say, you know, try to put it on, you know, again, as close to when that crop's going to need it as possible. But now if you're dealing with, you know, say a, a bedded pack manure from a beef or a dairy, that's much more, you know, organic nitrogen in that case could have a very high carbon to nitrogen ratio. So it's going to take longer for that material to break down that nitrogen to become available. So in that case, you know, applying that in the fall would be, would be perfectly okay. There, there are some concerns, you know, with, with fall application and we'll probably get into this as we go here, but you know, there's some periods there, you know, both early fall from from a, a nitrate leaching standpoint with warmer soil temperatures. And then again, Early in the spring, we tend to see some nutrient loss with snow melt runoff and things like that. So there's sort of two different facets here. There's the water quality standpoint, and then there's, you know, what type of manure you're actually applying. So a few different things go into that, you know, decision as to what's the the best timing. Okay. So then how does that timing, whether spring or fall, how does that affect cover crop 
growth and then also uh, affecting cash crop yields down the road? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's one of the things we're looking at at our uh, the Northeast Research and Demonstration Farm near Nashua, Iowa. So we've got some uh, drainage water quality plots there where we're looking at water quality, but we also have all of the yield data. And so what we're doing there is looking at different timing of manure application. So we've got an early fall treatment with and without cover crop. So that's early fall manure, liquid swine manure at 150 pounds nitrogen per acre. And so when I say early fall manure, you know, that manure is basically applied as soon as possible after harvest. So the soil temperatures are still above 50 degrees Fahrenheit. And then our late fall manure, you know, we wait until those soils have cooled below 50 degrees. You know, that's the point at which the, the microbial activity in the soil really starts to slow down. We see less cycling of those nutrients and less risk of that nitrogen in particular being lost. So, and we've also got a spring manure application there. So we've got a late fall to spring comparison and continuous corn. And then our early and late fall comparison is in a corn soybean rotation. But what we're finding there is a big yield hit when that manure is put on early fall. So I'm talking corn yield here. We see about a 38 bushel per acre advantage, and that's a five-year average now with late fall applied swine manure versus that early. So that's without the cover crop. Now, if we look at the timing in continuous corn, you know, we see that same effect going from late fall to spring. We see about a 28 bushel per acre advantage over five years with spring applied manure versus late fall. So the timing has a big effect on the, at least the corn yields. And again, this is only one location, but we do have some research from other areas in the Midwest here, you know, Ames, Iowa, Wazika, Minnesota, where they've done this similar research looking at manure application timing. And, you know, they've seen more like 10 to 15 bushel per acre advantage by delaying that timing. But it, it certainly is a factor, again, the. With swine manure, it's a lot of readily available nitrogen. So the closer you can apply that to when the crop's going to need it, the better. Now, when it comes to the cover crop yield, we absolutely do see more biomass growth and more nitrogen uptake in that above ground biomass where we have manure. So at the research farm in Nashua there, we see about twice as much nitrogen uptake directly over the manure injection band. So in, in three out of the five years that I'm referencing here, we saw a lot of streaking in the field. So you could clearly see more biomass growth over that manure injection band. So had about 130 pounds of nitrogen per acre in that above ground biomass over the injection band, about 65 between the bands. And then overall, comparing, you know, the plots going to corn that were getting manure to the plots going to soybeans, that did not receive any manure, we saw about 30% more nitrogen uptake where that manure was applied, you know, going to corn versus soybeans with no manure. So definitely see a yield difference when it comes to the timing of manure. And we also see a, a yield difference in the cover crop itself, you know, getting more biomass, more nitrogen uptake where manure is applied. So how does that timing then also affect water quality 
Yeah, that's one of the other main things we're looking at at the research farm there. And so just in general, there's been decades of research now showing that there is a pretty clear water quality benefit, at least for drainage water quality, you know, with a, a fall applied cover crop. You know, we're looking at cereal rye in this case, and we see just in general about a 30% reduction in nitrate concentrations in the drainage water where we have a cover crop versus no cover crop. And so in this case, you know, we're, we're in this early fall swine manure system. So where we use a cover crop with that early fall swine manure, we see nitrate concentrations in the drainage water similar to a spring UA and side dress. Whereas where we don't have the cover crop, we see very elevated nitrate concentrations in that drainage water. So, you know, that cover crop is essentially, you know, substituting for or allowing that early fall application to occur without having that big water quality impact. And so, you know, surface runoff is, is the other component of that. We don't actually measure that at Nashua, but just in general, the research definitely shows that, you know, you're, you can also improve surface water quality having a cover crop. You're going to have less sediment, you know, less runoff in general with that cover crop. But, you know, there, there is an issue early spring. You know, we tend to see the greatest water quality risk from, from surface runoff early spring with the snow melt. And in that case, it tends to be more of a dissolved phosphorus issue. And so that, that's kind of a separate thing. But again, having that cover crop in place can definitely help with water quality. So you mentioned yield benefits earlier. What are some of the other benefits of using manure to fertilize cover crops? Yeah, so the way I think of manure and cover crops is really an integrated system. So, you know, we're, we've sort of taken a lot of the animals off the landscape and put them in confinements. But if we can use a cover crop with that manure, we can sort of you know, simulate or somewhat replace, you know, those animals being out there and just, you know, depositing manure in the landscape, we can still have that vegetation out there to help, you know, take up and recycle those manure nutrients. So the, the cover crop can definitely help capture and recycle those nutrients, you know, nitrogen in particular, and protect it from loss. And then the manure in turn gives that cover crop a boost. So, you know, if you want more cover crop growth, maybe you're trying to use it for weed control in the spring, for example, you know, having that manure as a nutrient source for that cover crop and get you more biomass, you know, potential for more grazing in the spring, you know, better erosion control, you know, lots of things that, you know, cover crops provide, you know, you can get more bang for your buck when they're used in conjunction with manure. And then both cover crops and manure can help improve soil organic matter, you know, porosity, infiltration rates, water holding capacity, and, you know, reduce bulk densities. A lot of research, you know, showing those benefits for both. So they really work, you know, well together. Okay. So how does using manure on cover crops improve nutrient utilization? Yeah, so I kind of talked about this a bit earlier with, you know, when I talked about nitrogen uptake with that cover crop, but there's really two benefits that I see. You know, one is that direct uptake of nutrients, you know, from the manure or from the microbial community that's cycled those manure nutrients, you know, so it's taking those nutrients up into the above ground biomass and, you know, sort of protecting them from that 
you know, wintertime or early spring loss for the most part. And again, we're mostly talking about nitrogen here when we're talking about preventing nutrient loss with a cover crop. So you've got that, you know, direct savings, you could call it, of that portion of nutrients that could have been lost. You know, just as an example, I, I did a kind of back of the envelope calculation looking at the nitrogen loss with and without cover crop and that early fall manure system. And if you had to replace that nitrogen that was lost out the drainage system, it'd be somewhere in the neighborhood of four to $8 per acre per year. You know, that the $8 would be in corn, $4 in soybeans, just the, the value or the cost of that, that nitrogen that you lost if you had to replace that. So, so that's one aspect that the second big benefit I see is that the cover crop itself just helps keep that soil biology alive and functioning for a longer portion of the year, because it's really, it's those soil organisms that cycle and, you know, recycle, you know, I hear different numbers, but, you know, 90% or more of all nutrients go through, you know, some sort of a microbe or, you know, soil organism before it ends up in the crop. So in my mind, anything we can do to give those organisms a boost, it's ultimately going to improve nutrient utilization and nutrient use efficiency. Now, this gets a little more theoretical and it's, it's harder to collect that data, but there is some research out there that does back that up. We'll be right back to the podcast, but first I want to thank our sponsor, GS3 Quality Seed, the distributor of high quality, trusted cover crop seed brands like Nitro Radish, KB Annual Ryegrass, Super Bee Facilia, and TNT Vetch. You can learn more about these cover crops and numerous other species at tiltpro.com, as well as find the seed dealer nearest you. That's tiltpro.com. And now back to the podcast. Let's kind of shift a little bit and talk about um, the actual nuts and bolts of cover crop seeding and manure application. If manure has been applied to a field, what are the best methods for seeding cover crops in that situation? Yeah, in that situation, I really, I don't think your seeding method is going to be affected all that much one way or another, whether you've use manure or not you know there could be some instances you know maybe you had a really high volume liquid application of manure where you might have to wait a little while for that ground to dry out before you can get back in the field but generally any way you can get it in the ground is gonna is gonna work for you the manure itself really shouldn't cause any extra issues in most cases you know when it comes to getting that cover crop established afterwards great so then if a field is going to have manure application and cover crops in it, which should come first? Should the cover crops be seeded before the manure is applied or vice versa? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's kind of something we've been talking about with a research group here. You know, in a perfect world, what we would see is that cover crop go in right away after harvest or even before harvest. And then the manure be applied later in the fall, at least with our swine manure, that would really, I think, help, you know, with some of that, preventing some of that nutrient loss. The key to making that work is having low disturbance injection equipment, you know, so 
it'd be in a perfect world. You could maybe get in there and do like an early interseed before the corn canopies or do an aerial or high boy seeding, you know, once that canopy starts to open up again and then put your manure on later, you know, you can get more biomass growth going early in the, in the year that way. Not a lot of people do that, but it is an option to get that cover crop in early and then inject directly into it. But again, you got to have that low disturbance manure injection equipment in order to make that system work. So I'd say absolutely, you know, if you feel like you've got the equipment and the timing works out, try to get the cover crop in first and then apply your manure. Okay. What about if you're applying manure and it's more solids than liquids? Should that be handled differently? Yeah, there's some different factors there. The main issue with solid manure is just trying to get it evenly distributed and, you know, just not putting it on so thick that you'd have areas where that that cover crop is going to get smothered if you've already established it or already seeded it. You know, there's just, there's much more variability in, you know, your bedded pack type manures compared to liquid. So it's just generally more challenging to work with you're trying to rely on that as your your main nutrient source you know i mentioned earlier the solid manures tend to have more organic nitrogen so it's going to take longer for that nitrogen to kind of cycle through the soil system and potentially become available one issue you can run into there with the solid manures is you know the carbon to nitrogen ratios it's important to kind of keep that in mind if even if you're not measuring it So your solid manures, cattle manure, for example, could be anywhere from maybe 20 to one to 40 to one carbon to nitrogen ratio. And you start getting much over 25, you know, you're looking at a potential nitrogen tie-up situation in that case. Now, if you're looking at poultry litter, also solid, that's, that's a different, different animal, I guess, literally and figuratively. So poultry manure, you know, much lower carbon to nitrogen ratio in that case, you know, more in the 10 to 15 to one range. So you're less concerned with nitrogen tie up in that case. But so, you know, it's, it, it's really one of those, it depends situations. Again, depends on the, the species of manure, carbon to nitrogen ratio, how much bedding is mixed in with it. All these things go into that. So generally, you know, the lower the carbon to nitrogen ratio, the closer to, you know, when that crop's going to need that nitrogen, you could put that manure on. Okay. So how then If a grower is trying to achieve minimal soil disturbance, I know you mentioned low soil disturbance earlier, how can growers incorporate manure into their fields if they're still trying to maintain minimal soil disturbance? Yeah, that's a tough one. You know, I mentioned the low disturbance injectors. That would be, you know, that'd be the main thing that I would encourage people to do if you're dealing with liquid manure and and you know, you're trying to get it injected, you know, maybe, maybe you don't have it right now, but the next time you trade up your equipment, you know, maybe think about those low disturbance injectors, or if you're having somebody custom apply that for you, try to encourage them to go that route. You know, some of these newer injectors create very little disturbance versus, you know, the old sweep style injectors, you know, it might look like a chisel plow went through the field, you know, after you injected manure, or the disc closing type systems, you know, they have to throw up enough soil to get that manure covered. So you're looking at a lot of disturbance in that case. So low disturbance injectors is one option. Another good option, we don't tend to see a lot here in Iowa, but like the aerator type systems, or it's basically you're dribbling the manure on the surface, and then there's a rolling spike wheel that kind of incorporates it a little bit. 
So that's a great option, especially if you've got some hay ground or pasture ground you want to put some manure on. You know, if you have to use tillage, you know, I'd say just try to use shallow incorporation. You don't have to get that manure in super deep. You know, two to four inches is generally going to be enough, you know, to keep it protected and, you know, prevent that nitrogen volatilization or, you know, any runoff issues from the surface. Talk a little bit about uh, equipment that growers can use to apply that liquid manure uh, into maybe an established cover crop. Yeah, so if that cover crop's already established, really that low disturbance injector, again, is going to be the key there. You know, that's typically the newer systems are designed where they've got a coulter that slices the ground open in front of the injector, and then another one that runs behind to kind of close that slot back up again. And so they, they can be very effective and, and do a nice job without much disturbance and without burying too much of that cover crop. The other option is, uh, you know, there's some systems that have a really narrow kind of flat sweep. It doesn't lift the soil. It doesn't throw a lot of soil. So that can be another good option for injecting into an established cover crop. And the cover crop species plays a role here as well. You know, cereal rye tends to be pretty, you know, hardy stuff. It can withstand some abuse and punishment. Whereas, you know, some of your other species, maybe your brassicas or clovers, probably aren't going to handle that disturbance as well. So sort of a combination of what kind of cover crop you're injecting into and, you know, how aggressive your injection equipment is. So um, how effective are different cover crop species? And are there certain ones that work better when you're using manure as a fertilizer source? Yeah, that's another good question. You know, it's something we haven't really looked at here in Iowa. There might be other research on it in other states, but in general, you know, I, I mentioned earlier the, the seed size or the weight of that seed is going to have an effect. You know, one from, uh, you know, whether it's going to sink or float or how well it's going to agitate in the tank. And then again, the other issue is, you know, how deep are you putting that seed? So your small seeded covers, things like clover, you know, they need to be planted pretty shallow, typically quarter to half inch is the recommendation there. So you get them too deep, you're going to have poor establishment. Whereas things like cereal rye or triticale or winter wheat, they're going to be a little bit more forgiving of, you know, being planted a little bit deeper. So really, again, depends on how you're applying that manure. If you're broadcasting on top or using an aerator or you know, very shallow incorporation, those small seeded cover crops probably work fine. Whereas if you're going to inject or you're incorporating deeper, I'd stick with species that can be planted deeper, things like cereal rye. So how can growers go about attaining good cover crop establishment after manure application? What would be some tips? Yeah, really here, kind of the same rules would apply, you know, whether you're using manure or not. Again, I don't think, you know, the manure itself is really going to be that big of a factor. So just, again, getting good seed to soil contact is, is really critical. You know, either drilling tends to work the best or, you know, you can broadcast or do an aerial seeding and pray for some rain. You know, sometimes that works out fine, sometimes not so much. You know, timing is the other thing. Just try to get it in as early as possible in the fall. You'll tend to get more biomass growth. But I wouldn't necessarily, you know, if you're doing, you know, manure and cover crops kind of as a system, 
I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend putting the manure on earlier just to get the cover crop in earlier. You know, if I had to choose between, you know, early manure and early cover crop versus, you know, late manure, late cover crop, I'd be tempted to go with the later option. We just see a lot of yield drag, you know, with that early fall manure, you know, regardless of whether it has a cover crop or not. So the timing is a factor there. And the other thing is, you know, with manure, you're always dealing with, you know, other issues, you know, how full is your pit? So if, if you have to apply early, you know, maybe your pit's full and you have to go, you know, go ahead and apply, but then just try to get that cover crop in as soon as possible, you know, after you apply that manure. Great. Where can our listeners go for more information about manure application and cover crops? Yeah, so I'd encourage people to check out the uh, Iowa Manure Management Action Group website. Um, You can just do a web search for that, you know, for kind of all things manure related. You know, Dr. Dan Anderson has a manure scoop blog on there. You know, you can also find him on Twitter. Um, I'm on Twitter as well at at N-E-I-W-A-G-E-N-G. So I, you know, post a lot of manure related things and I'll also put in a shameless plug here for our own podcast called Engineering Your Farm. You know, we do cover some uh, manure and cover crop related topics there. And then another great source is uh, Dr. Melissa Wilson out of the University of Minnesota. She's also done a lot of work looking at manure and cover crops and manure timing. And she's got some great uh, story maps that you can find online with some really good visuals of what she's doing. And you can find her on Twitter as well at at Manure, P-R-O-F. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Brian. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Once again, I want to thank our sponsor, GS3 Quality Seed, the distributor of high-quality, trusted cover crop seed brands. You can learn more about these cover crops and numerous other species at tiltpro.com, as well as find the seed dealer nearest you. For more information about all things cover crops, visit us online at covercropstrategies.com.